I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. But it went from somehow catching mostly redfish to somehow now you're catching mostly tarpon. Five fish is a pretty stellar day. Yeah. At, you know, 30 to 40 pounds, but... I mean, I was telling you earlier, we went out one day and caught like 20. So, yeah, in the 30s to 50s, Port A used to be the spot for tarpon fishing. You know, and one of the things that could really, really kill us is if they approve this desal plant. That, I mean, to turn it into our Bay Estuary system into super saline, you know, I mean, that's just going to wreck shop. And I think you'll see it with the younger generation coming up and there are a lot more kids fishing i think these days that are probably more conservation all right guys welcome to another episode of the skiff wonder podcast today i am joined by eric schmidt from the texas tarpon collaborative we're going to be talking about his background in texas and believe it or not, we're going to talk about Texas Tarpon. We're going to go into details about what the Texas Tarpon Collaborative is doing, the state of Tarpon in Texas, and uh, the future of the Tarpon in Texas. You know, those two T's right back to each other is really tough. Yeah. You guys, do you think you could change the name a little bit? I'm going to try not to. It's a headache to set these <laughs> things up. <laughs> All right, Eric, so you born and raised Texan, right? Yep. And uh, when did you start fishing? Oh, man. I, whenever I could walk, I guess, honestly. <laughs> I mean, as long as I could walk and hold a pole, I grew up on the water yeah. my entire life. So, um, yeah, I don't even know. How old do kids start walking? Four? <laughs> I think, Three. yeah, like one of my first memories is having like a – tiny little spinning rod and sitting in the driveway learning practicing casting god probably was four yeah i uh i don't yeah i don't think i stepped into the bait casting scene until i was probably about eight or nine and all i had was a tld 25 to learn how to do that with so my dad still doesn't trust me with a bait caster yeah yeah so i don't trust him and he's got <laughs> 50 of them but i still see dude i still haven't mastered the the art of 
the you know like the big ones offshore the conventional like i can handle those fine but like when i gotta cast a tiny little bait caster i'm probably gonna make a bird's nest in the process yeah he does a good job of it too yeah okay um when did you did you start saltwater freshwater i started saltwater saltwater yeah just here on the Texas coast. Yep. Because you grew Aranzas. up Port Aranzas, right? Yep. Man, you know we got we we spent the last couple of days fishing around there. How much has that place changed? It's not even recognizable anymore. Yeah. It really isn't. Yeah. And it's it's sad, but it's I guess they call that progress. Yeah. It's you know it's crazy. I've I've been fishing down here about three years now, and in that three years, the amount I've watched Port A change is crazy. And it's funny, it's interesting to me too, because we'll sit here and, you know, we talk about all this conservation stuff, you know, with the redfish, with the oysters, with the tarpon, and no one ever looks at like the amount of, you know, amount of infrastructure and structure that's getting built right on top of these flats. I mean, yeah. Some of the best flats that I learned to fly fish on are about a year and a half from having condos all over it mm. where... It's just, I know it's not going to, I mean, it already isn't the same. Yeah. Yeah. And they're only developing further out right. to Port A. I mean, before you know it, that whole stretch is going to be nothing but oh, condos. Man. If someone gave me. And it, more boats. Yeah. If someone gave me like an unlimited amount of money, first thing I'd do is just go buy up every piece of land on Mustang and look at everybody and go, you guys aren't building on this. Yeah. That's probably why they won't give me that much money. Because they know I'm just going to waste it. On flies, fishing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's where it might go. So as you, as, yeah. you, as you grew up in Port A, um, you know, we've talked a little bit. You started, you started getting into the offshore scene. Yeah, so uh, I started, you know, like any kid. I, I think I had a, uh, a boat right around the same time I got a bicycle. So, um, you know, we spent a lot of time running around the flats out behind... Isla Moorings back there, mm -hmm. Coyote Hole. I remember that flat that was out there that's eaten up with oysters now. Yeah. was sand. Oh, wow. I mean, wow. it was just sand. And half of those homes weren't even there. They were, used to be sand dunes. Yeah. We used to go dove hunting back there. I mean, where like <laughs> half the houses of Isla Moorings are. We used to have BB gun wars and go dove hunting. Jeez. So, yeah, it, it's definitely changed a lot. But um, grew up just fishing around the flats there drum redfish trout yeah know, soaking shrimp um i didn't get into the offshore scene i guess i was probably about 15 because mm -hmm. i just read on that cusp of getting my driver's license yeah so it was about 15 when i started getting into the offshore scene and did the charter boats for you know the kind of mediocre charter boats starting out yeah and yeah. then moved up you know back then you know, it was the Yellowfin. That was the big Tommy Gilner, you know, and finally got to working with him and just moved into the larger sport private mm -hmm. after that. And that's how it happened. Got a chance to fish all over the world. Yeah. That's been great. all over. That's awesome. That's like the dream. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't miss it, but I'm, you know. <laughs> Glad you I, did it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I started, I think I started offshore when I was 13. Basically, as soon as my dad knew I wasn't going to get seasick, it was on. Yeah, my uh, we, my dad had a big Mako, and he used to take us out, and I'd still get seasick, but I'd still go time and time again. 
So as as you as you're getting into fishing and you're getting into offshore, like when did when did you start messing with tarpon? Tarpon, I guess, came around about high school mm-hmm. when our parents. You know, we would go out there when we were in middle school, and both my parents are passed away now, so they can't say anything. But you know, we weren't supposed to go to the end of the jetties, but I had a little like 16 foot Lone Star aluminum, you know, 19, I think it was like a 1950 something that me and my dad completely redid, popped all the rivets out, re riveted it all. I mean, from scratch, named it Raunchy. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I guess it was towards that, what's the last, like eighth grade before you go into high school? Yeah. So it was around there back. And then our parents, you know, started letting us kind of creep out to the end of the jetties as we got older. And you started finding started tarpon, yeah. tarpon, yeah. But honestly, I don't think, you know, we caught a lot of redfish and stuff, but I don't think they really, we really, really, really got into them until my senior year, probably. Yeah. You just, every now and then you'd pick one up and yeah. be like, oh, that's cool. And then senior year, it kind of... We went out and it just became like they're just here now that's what we're doing yeah but i don't know if they were you know because we fish in the same way live bait you know just yeah. drifting mullet over the rocks but it went from somehow catching mostly redfish to somehow now you're catching mostly tarpon oh really so, yeah so it just like turned on one year huh and uh i don't know if they were always there and they just didn't like what we had yeah but it was it seemed like it just flipped the light switch and they were there chasing tarpon like have you you've done the florida like how how extensive like how much have you traveled chasing tarpon (sighs) not a whole lot chasing tarpon really i really haven't i've gone you know and done the florida thing Mm -hmm. mexico all of that but i haven't packed a bag saying we're going after just tarpon yeah but maybe once i did that in the keys i got you um so you talk a little bit about, you know, how in high school you kind of saw it change and you started seeing more tarpon. Like what, what, like what have you seen with the tarpon, you know, like even since then? Even since then, I mean, there's been a significant decline in the really smaller ones off the jetty, I think. You know, now I think five days is, or five fish is a pretty stellar day. Yeah. It, you know 30 to 40 pounds but i mean i was telling you earlier we went out one day and caught like 20 yeah i mean just tying like tying hooks straight to the line baiting them up as fast as we can just i mean one after another so now you know i say five is stellar day Hell, i wouldn't mind catching one really out there you know so now the bigger fish i'm learning more about and finding out where those are but the the ones around the jetty i mean to me it seems like they've definitely declined no i haven't had a chance i mean i love my skiff but it's not it's definitely not a offshore vessel so i haven't really had a chance to to really chase tarpon in texas it's it's kind of like when it's one of those things like when i first came here you heard kind of a little bit about it and then you know i've know of some guys that have gone out and caught them and i've keep hearing rumors about where to catch them and and where they're hidden i just haven't really put the effort into targeting them 
Um, it's been, so it's been really great for me just to, you know, spend time with you and hear more, more and more about what's going on with them and, and where they're at. You're the president of the Texas Tarpon Collaborative. Yeah. How did that get started? It was, it was, I guess, 2020. This was, was that one COVID. Yeah. Was, 2020. Everybody was scared of the plague. <laughs> um, you know, I was working from home and I'd, I've always been thinking about this. Like, where did they go? Like, mm-hmm. what happened, you know? I mean, I still think about that day of, like, 20-something. Uh, oh, sweet. Yeah. I caught one. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, I started asking on Facebook, and I had made a comment about starting this nonprofit up, and I had asked, where would people like to see the efforts put? Yeah. And without even, I mean, I'm already doing the juvenile initiative. Like, that's done. And everybody said, juvenile initiatives. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it just kind of like, I asked the question knowing that what I was going to do already. But people chimed in and they were on the same page. So I was like, all right, there's enough people that think that this is an issue. Yeah. So luckily my next door neighbor is an attorney. Yeah. And uh, on the board for a couple other nonprofits. So he did it for us for pretty cheap couple you know grand compared to what it should have been yeah yeah and uh so i raised the money on um gofundme yo really yeah yeah to pay him and so that's how it got started and then uh you know a couple people reached out to me uh jennifer and rob Mm -hmm. well first it was jennifer reaching out saying hey you know rob is really interested in the tarpon you know i think he'd be a good fit so like well i was actually planning on talking to you too <laughs> to go with but yeah since we're already here um so that's how they got on mm-hmm. and then she introduced me to clarence who's got a lot of background and um, he's a project manager for a pipeline company as well he does a lot of stuff with like gis yeah and he's doing a story map for us now which i'm really excited to see but um that's how we all got together and then david my next door neighbor yeah he's on the board just as an advisor make sure i don't do anything <laughs> stupid yeah there's a lot of red tape in these things yeah a lot what is so you mentioned the juvenile initiative can you can you explain that a little bit well i mean everybody up until today has really just focused on the larger migratory tarpon mm-hmm. offshore they track them you know put a big satellite tag in them watch them go from point a to point b okay cool yeah they went from here to there nobody's really done any sort of study to see what we have in our base for the little guys for the little guys yeah so we don't even know what we're working with we don't know if we're working with hundreds thousands tens really what so um you know btt just got done doing a big juvenile tarpon study and i'm hoping to piggyback off of that a little but Mm -hmm. i need to get with them on that some more but I mean, they've been really helpful. They have, yeah. So yeah, I've, it, I've had meetings. You know, I mentioned I go to Florida. I had meetings with the uh, God. I can't even think of his name right now. Anyways, he's one of the executive, the directors there. Yeah, at BTT, um, with him. So they've been a lot of help. You know, offering their hand any way they can. Do they do any work in Texas, or is it yeah. strictly over in Florida? It's Florida, Mexico, and the Bahamas. So, okay. Do you know why? I mean, 
it seems like uh, this would be a good spot but i mean obviously it gives you guys an opening to to do the research that that you guys are doing and it's good that they're they're on board with it at least from an advisory standpoint yeah when i first started this whole thing they reached out and said hey you know we've already got the money we've already got the 501 status like mm-hmm. how would you feel about shutting that down and basically working for them yeah i said there's too many people that have gotten involved in, at this point there's no way i can yeah yeah shut it down i mean there's donated money for attorneys and people have already started kicking money in so i can't do that but um you know they've offered to help out any, any way they can whatever way that may be um, yeah no it's it's cool to see them putting some focus into texas i mean it's cool to see te- tarpon in texas getting getting a spotlight and getting focused because yeah i mean we talked a little bit on the boat about like the history in texas with tarpon i mean port a used to be called tarpon texas yeah do you know like can you uh, go into the history of tarpon a little bit in along the texas coast as much as i know i can um so yeah in the 30s to 50s port a used to be the spot for tarpon fishing Mm -hmm. um i'm sure you've seen all the old photos they're everywhere yeah all the dead fish hanging out yeah (laughs) but um you know, I think a lot of that decline there was, you know, one of the issues they know over two of them really the DDT, yeah, and then the damming up of all the rivers mm-hmm. because of Texas had a terrible, terrible drought in the fifties, so the only thing they needed to do was plug all the leaks and yep. back the water up. So whenever they did that, it kind of killed everything off essentially and i guess they moved elsewhere but it's i mean there is no recreational tarpon fishery for juveniles right now the larger fish offshore has really bounced back and i mean i saw thousands of fish this summer yeah only caught one but (laughs) (laughs) but that's tarpon fishing (laughs) yeah now the guy that you know i went with I went out the day by myself, and uh, he went out the same day with a buddy, and he had invited me. We were out there fishing side by side, and he was using conventional tackle. But they caught, like, I think it was like 9 or 10 for 12, yeah. all over 100. That's a pretty good day. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's more than I want to catch. Yeah. For sure. So um, there, there's definitely a recreational fishery coming back for those Mm -hmm. and i think it's probably been around but just you don't hear about it a lot um mike williams Mm -hmm. in houston i guess or galveston was a big tarpon charter guide um but and now you got brian by I don't know how to say his name, so I'm not going to butcher it. <laughs> but his name's Brian, and uh, he does tarpon charters out of South Padre. Yeah. And absolutely slays them, too. So there's definitely... Slowly. That, yeah, yeah, that's picking up. So, um, you know, maybe things are bouncing back. But that's mostly with, like we were saying, mostly the with larger. the big, the, the migratory, the yeah. big, yeah. The day I went and caught that one, the two others that we jumped were 160, 140 i mean 
Huge. So what do you think has like contributed mostly to the migratory tarpon coming back to the coast in, in greater numbers? I think more people just are out fishing for them now. Yeah. You know, I don't know that they ever really went anywhere. But they just, just basically there's more people out that, that are putting eyes on them and kind yeah. of bringing more data points in. People are, people know about them now. So yeah. it's getting, but I mean, it, it's, a, it's a show for sure when you get out there and it's a calm day. That's the other thing, you know, it, we've got to go offshore. Right. And we're offshore two, three miles sometimes, you know. Yeah. Up to 60 to 80 foot of water. You can get pretty bouncy. Yeah. You know. It's not, a, it's not skiff weather. No. <laughs> So it's very limited to what me and you can go out there and fish for. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's some other boats that, you know, Scott Alford's got a big uh, cabin cruiser he uses. There's a lot of Ponga boats down in Port O'Connor that go out for him. But as far as, you know, our pulling skiffs, I went out there three times this year. And I'm sure I could have gone out more, but I would have had to take time off for middle of the week. You know, like, all right, it's going to be blowing five on wednesday oh wait i've already got meetings wednesday, yeah so there goes that so you're kind of limited to the weekends but i, I thinking about it now i that that fishery may be coming back pretty strong that's good either that or it's just a lot more people targeting them yeah with the juveniles with the juvenile tarpon in texas kind of you know, we mentioned that you guys want to do a study just to see what what we have for a population here along the coast. What's kind of like what's the next step after that? Next step after that would be the um, tag and recapture study. Mm-hmm. So once we get a baseline assessment, then we can start spaghetti tagging them, mm-hmm. or even smaller acoustics. I've got some, you know, most of those acoustics that you see on like marlin and sharks and stuff, they're huge. You can't stick that on the back of a 15 pound fish, (laughs) but they do have some smaller ones, but also with that micro scale, it somehow way inflates the number. Right. Because they're just more, you know, I don't know. I guess there's a lot more technology on the smaller ones. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's ultimately where it goes from there is once we get a baseline assessment of how many we're actually working with from the, the two areas that Texas A&M wants to do is from Port A up to Galveston, basically. Right. They don't really want to go and they've got Galveston, A&M, Galveston, and they've got A&M Corpus Christi. So A&M Corpus Christi would handle everything from Port O'Connor South, mm-hmm. this side of the jetties. And Galveston would handle north side of the jetties to Galveston. Um, so, yeah, once they get those numbers, then we can start really start going in there, saying net them all, tag them all, and let them go. Are when now once you let them go, are you gonna are, are you guys gonna go try to recapture on your own, or are you relying on anglers to to yeah. capture and report? So some of them will do the acoustic telemetry mm-hmm. um, just so, you know, in those spots, there's good choke points where we can see if those fish are falling out of those areas. The bridge to the base being one of them. Yeah. Or the school, I guess it goes to the school. Yeah. Anyways, from Corpus to the school, that bridge is a good choke point. So they can put those acoustic scanners up there. Okay. 
um, along the bridge. Yeah. Now with the spaghetti, I don't know, just offer like a five hundred dollar reward if you pick it up. If you and, pick it up and report it. Yeah. So that I mean that's the same kind of thing that BTTs. That's the exact same thing they've been doing with bonefish, where they're putting those acoustic scanners in them, and then they just so basically the way those work is you put the acoustic device into the fish and he has to swim past the scanner and it just basically pings him pings that, it, yeah. that he went through there. Yep. Um, what are you trying to, you're just trying to capture how they're using the different bays or what are you trying to capture with that data? Yeah, just the bays. I've got a map. Um, so it looks like they want to set, I guess here is North Padre and then over here is where the base is. Yeah. But I think there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten acoustic deals. Spots just around Corpus Port. Or not Port A. Corpus, Corpus Padre to, area. Yeah. So with that data and then and like once you get, get start getting really good data points and you start understanding how these juvenile tarpon are moving through our bays, I guess what comes next? And I know I'm I'm kinda of putting you on the spot for yeah. the super long term um, plan here. I would say habitat restoration. Yeah. I mean, we've seen the mangroves this weekend. Um, I think that could use a helping hand. Yeah. They're coming back on their own, but I think, you know, we could help speed it up. Yeah, going in, replanting some places. Yeah, exactly, and And I get a lot of um, emails from kids that want to come out there. Like, (laughs) I just want to come out and play mangroves. (laughs) All right, well, whenever we get get around to that, I'll, I'll keep you in mind. Yeah. Uh, how much do you see like the the lack of freshwater or freshwater inflow into to our estuary systems really affecting these juvenile fish? I mean, I think it affects them tremendously. Yeah. Um, really, the only you got the Nueces Bay or Nueces River, mm-hmm. and then the Mission River, and I'm probably missing one or two. Yeah. But that's not a lot of water flowing. You know, those aren't. Just into the Corpus area. Yeah. Yeah. Those aren't really like the Mississippi where it's dumping a whole lot of fresh water into the area to sweeten it up. Right. Um, you know, and one of the things that could really, really kill us is if they approve this desal plant. Yeah. That, I mean, to turn it into our Bay Estuary system into super, super saline. Sal- yeah. You know, I mean, that's just going to wreck shop. Yeah. Yeah, that would, that would basically... I don't even want to think about how bad that would be for the whole of Corpus Christi Bay. Corpus. I mean, it's going to, the fishing is out, you know. Yeah. Like it'd kill poor days. Well, you still got the beach, but I mean, a ton of people. How many charter captains are there now? Yeah. Aside from too many. Um, yeah, it's just all of that goes away. Like that's crazy to think about. No, and it, that they it, would even consider that. And it seemed like for a while there that that desal plant. Um, so for those of you guys that aren't up to speed, they're planning on building a. There's a plan in the works to build. I know of two. There's one that they want to build over in the port area of Ingleside, and then I know there was a talk of building another one, right, basically right where the where the Lydia Ann and the Corpus Christi Channel. Um, the ship channel all come together and they basically wanted the, so when these desal plants, they, they take the, the salt water, they remove the salt from the salt water 
and then they keep the fresh water and the salt basically gets it's a super high saline mixture that just gets dumped right back into the bay system and if you guys have been around texas a lot or if you live in texas you know like we do not get a ton of tidal movement so you have some place you know like maybe the carolinas or that where you have a ton of tidal movement you're constantly getting water in and out of those bay systems we don't get that here um basically once that super high saline water gets dumped into the bay it's going to stay there um for months and it's going to get pushed around. It's going to get pushed up on the flats. It's going to get pushed back in the estuaries. And like Eric said, that's it. You get that into our seagrass, you get that into our mangroves and it's going to start killing off habitat for the, for all of our fish. Um, I know that. And I, like I said, I haven't looked into it in a while. I honestly thought that it, like, I hadn't heard anything for so long that I thought maybe they'd given up on it. No, they just fired it back up like two weeks ago. I saw like a permit got approved. And that's, I mean, that's so political and completely out of our hands. That's something best (laughs) left for CCA and all of those guys. But yeah, it's back in action. Yeah. So I know that originally like there was a lot of talk of trying to convince the port the port of corpus christi to take the take the the super saline offshore Mm -hmm. and just run it two or three miles offshore to where there's plenty of water movement there's deep enough water that like it wouldn't be sitting in our estuaries um which is what they need to do if they're going to run these desal plants and it's not hard i mean i work for a company that that's sort of what we do right i mean not not exactly not exactly moving super saline water moving product through pipe yeah and it it wouldn't be that hard to do right no and it's just it's one of those i i need to look in personally i need to look into more it wouldn't be that i mean here's a couple million bucks to run a 30 inch line (laughs) offshore offshore but i mean you know it if it saves it, I'm sure, you know, Yeah, I would say in the range of three to eight million, somewhere in there. You know, it's one of those things. That's um, a pocket change for CCA. That it's, it's one of the things that I've, I've, I've learned and I, and I, I've noticed like as I've lived in Texas, um, and become more involved in the fishing community is, you know, I look at what the guys over in, Florida, South Florida are doing with the Everglades and something that I, I, you know, I've been blessed where Benny Blanco has become kind of a mentor to me with conservation. And I get to talk to him a few times a year about what's going on in Florida and how we can implement some of the the ways they handle, they've handled the Everglades restoration. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that, that they've done really well is made it very clear to the Florida state government the amount of income that tourism and the recreational fishing industry brings into the state. And it's one of the things that with the oyster issue that's going on, um, unfortunately this podcast is going to come out after the vote that takes place in November. And hopefully we're sitting on some good news when you guys hear this. Um, it's, you know, we, I, the numbers with the oyster industry is, you know, they're making, I think $30 million a year. They're bringing $30 million of income into the state. 
and they're affecting a 270 I can't remember if it's million or billion dollar industry yeah. by destroying recreational fishing habitat. And it's the same thing with the desal plants. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it's very short sighted. Yeah. And I, I think that's probably the best way, you know, I don't know how many people are going to get upset, but it's the best way that like I best thing, like uh, the best way to put what I've seen in Texas is short sightedness. Yeah. How can we make, money quick instead of you know trying to make sure that we can pass things on and yeah continue to to conserve what we have and make it better yeah we definitely don't lead the way in conservation no for sure but i think i think a lot more people are starting to fall in line with the whole yeah you know i mean i don't want to get political but i mean a, a lot of it's you know Republican, Democrat, yeah, like Democrats are typically more, you know, in lines with environmental rights right. and stuff like that. Texas is notoriously a Republican state, so um, but, I don't know. I don't think the demographics need to change. I think, and I think you'll see it with the younger generation, yeah, coming up. And there are a lot more kids fishing. I think these days, yeah, that are probably more conservation minded i mean the kids that reach out to me on our website are i mean they don't sound like they're any older than 10 or 12 years old so. yeah and they're already ready to yeah, get out that's ready awesome to get out and that's start playing mangroves so <laughs> no it's you know it's definitely like like most of the guys that i get to fish with and get to hang out with like a lot of the mindset is how can we make this better how can we conserve it and it's you know we were talking about again on the boat yesterday a little bit um it's it's almost a generational thing and as as the i'm gonna use this word as the millennials get older (laughs) (laughs) as the millennials that we all love to hate get older and start coming into power in places you know we have we do have a bit more of a conservation mindset um but uh, unfortunately a lot of this stuff it just can't wait all right, we got we got slightly away from tarpon there, um, guys. If you if you are listening to this and you know you have any questions or you want to know what's going on from a conservation standpoint, especially around, uh, I'm more familiar with Port A, but Texas in general, man, just reach out to me. I know you can reach out to Eric, and yeah, you know absolutely. we'll share as much knowledge as we can on on any of these topics. Um, we're gonna get back. We're gonna get back into tarpon though. <laughs> We're not going to talk about redfish because we're both mad at them right now. <laughs> it was rough this weekend. Oh, my goodness. It has been. Um, so we went fishing, what, the last day and a half? Yeah. Yep. And the water, we've, this is like in the, in a, and it is a short time, but the, in the time that I've lived in Texas, this is the most rain I've seen, you know, through the summer and into the fall. And so the water is super high right now, right now. It's super fresh right now, and the redfish just are not excited about it. Um, which super we saw, dirty too. huh? Super dirty, super too. dirty. Yeah, yeah. Just basically, just constantly. Yeah. I mean, we got rain coming tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Typically, typically like <clears throat> June, July, August, you don't see a cloud in the sky, yeah. and then September you might have one cloud show up, and you know, late October you start getting the cold fronts 
But, I mean, it's it's at a point, like, we're already seeing the Redheads show up. We're already yeah. seeing the White Pelicans show up. Like, fall showed up early, it seems yeah. like. Late fall showed up early. Yeah. Yeah. It's here. It's here. And so are the snowbirds. I noticed that coming in from oh, really? Houston the other day. Like, what is going on? Man, if you get... Drive. If you get a... Well, you already know. If you get a chance, you should go drive. Poor day. You, uh-uh. No. no. <laughs> Just hard no. No. Um, so if somebody wants to get involved with Texas Tarpon Collaborative, like what, what's a good way to do it? Well, I mean, you can reach out to us. Um, and I'm sorry for those that have, you know, it's, I'm the one handling all the emails right now. So there's a lot of people who have reached out and said, Hey, I want to help. How can I help? And I just haven't been able to get juggling a full-time job on top of a Um, full-time job. You know, and I, it sounds bad to say, but ultimately what we want to do and get done, it's not cheap. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's $100,000. Like, I, I don't usually show people their business plan, but yeah. Um, I mean, it's all broke down. Like, this is what the colleges want to do this study. Like, yeah. It's 50 grand for Corpus, 50 grand for Galveston. Is there any kind of like, um, grants that you guys are looking into there is and i think clarence who's on the board um has done some grant writing yeah i never have i couldn't even tell you how to write a grant yeah uh i know there's they're kind of tricky to write but um you know there are there's quite a few grants out there that we could apply for yeah no, I, my wife. My wife's a scientist, and I watch her write grants all the time. I'm, yeah, those things. Yeah. Are, you, they, there's a ton of paperwork involved, and a ton of yeah. time, and and you can pay people, yeah, to do it. But I mean, you're paying them regardless of whether you get it or not. Right now, I think there's freelance who will just take like three to five percent, yeah, of what they get. But I don't think those people are really quite what you what you guys are looking for. Yeah. Um, have you guys been talking with like CCA or Flatsworthy or any of those other organizations? No, about? not really. The only people that I've had any real communication with has been Bonefish and Turpin. Yeah. Which um, is a good group. To yeah, be. they are. And uh, now I haven't heard anything from Flatsworthy, anything from CCA. Um, I think this, you know, this trout fest coming up in february i think that's a non-profit yeah as well that but they handle more cold water fish right but you know they're they're helping us out in february giving us a free booth at the show up there so um you know ultimately it just it boils down to me just putting on my shiny boots dressing up and going going around to some of these places with business plan and seeing if they're willing to help yeah but in, and like you said, you guys you guys are still just trying to get stuff off the ground. Yeah. Um, is there going to be opportunity? We talked a little bit about there will be some, but like opportunity for, you know, just everyday anglers to pitch in and help. Um, I, yeah. So, yes. And no. Um, yes. And the fact that you will be able to, if you want, and you can back up that you actually catch enough of these juvenile tarpon. Yeah. We'll send you some spaghetti s- strings. Okay. And a poker 
Yeah. You know, for the insertion tool. Mm-hmm. Um, everyday anglers, once we get those out, and that's something we could do. Spaghetti streamers are they're cheap. You yeah. Know, but we'd like to get them where we know. But they want to go through this very systematically <clears throat> by getting the abundance study done than the the streamers. So that's down the road, but I mean, I could go and buy spaghetti streamers and just start tagging yeah. the fish. So, you know, doing a reward for someone who wouldn't call in a couple hundred dollar reward if you catch one and cut it off, you know? Right. That's kind of a no brainer. So yeah, that that's kind of where just the everyday angler can angler get involved. Can get involved. Yeah. And, you know, we will have things like mangrove plantings and stuff like that down the road. Um, but, yeah, we're talking about opening it up to memberships. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how to structure that yet. Yeah, yeah. We haven't put a whole lot of thought into it. We've got a board meeting Monday. Um, so that's on the topic list. Just get members and get people more involved just start getting people more involved because i mean it's 22 we're about to be in 23 yeah so it's it's time you know there's we got a little bit of money in there nothing to really do anything with by shirts hats kind of help raise money i mean we're not losing money on that stuff right but it's not going to generate the kind of money that that, we t- that you guys need for the studies that yeah. you, that you want to do yeah so um there are some pretty big things to talk about tomorrow when we have that board meeting. Um, and just see where it goes. I'd like to bring some more people on personally. Yeah. Just, I'm literally the only one (laughs) really doing anything right now. Yeah. So it's a lot, especially, you know, with the house and job and, yeah oh yeah yeah trying not to go crazy and get out on the weekends and go fishing but yeah it's a lot oh yeah no i i can relate to that running running two full-time jobs at the same time there's plenty of times where i'm sitting here going maybe i need to hire an editor to come work for me or yeah somebody just to i don't even know (laughs) help out some way freelance Uh, or whatever not freelance but uh internship yeah, I've been thinking. I've been thinking about that a little bit, um, and we'll see. We'll see what the future holds and and where I end up. And, yeah, um, I'm sure you guys could probably, you know, the same thing. Like, especially with Corpus Christi right here and the Heart Institute in town, I'm mm-hmm. sure there's plenty of willing students that want to get involved. Especially yeah. just as 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 you're able to, you know, make a name and and raise awareness and kind of get the word out more that you guys are trying yeah and i think it is slowly um i really do i'm trying to get as big a push for that but you know i can walk into they don't know who i am exactly Mm -hmm. but you can mention the name texas tarpon they're like oh yeah yeah Yeah. oh okay you're eric yeah yeah yeah, okay yeah i mean i think so there's more people i think i think like we started talking about getting together almost a year ago yeah and then i heard about you guys Jeez, I think it was, I think when right when you started the Instagram page, it popped up like, hey, here's a new page that you should check out. And I was yeah. like, oh, cool. Check out what these guys are doing. And it only took a year to, <laughs> to, yeah. to get together, um, which I mean, that's, you know, 
that's life that's life. yeah i mean it's just- especially when you're starting out like it you know it's something i when when i do a lot of these podcasts and we talk about like especially with my photographer film friends it's the same thing where it's like you know if you want to get involved in that stuff like it takes so much more time than you think it does yeah um no i'm excited i I i'm excited to see what you guys do i'm excited to see where where it goes and um hopefully you know we can get you back on the podcast yeah in less than a year yeah well (laughs) i mean i think next year would bring my boat down you know i can I'm this is where I come to go fishing. I don't yeah. really I live in Houston, but I mean I've got this place yeah to use and I fish with them all the time. Um but go down and actually go tarpon fishing. Yeah. You know. Especially if the redfish are gonna be Yeah, especially if the water's <laughs> poo water. Which uh, I mean it's always blowing down here. I've just come to accept that. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. It doesn't seem like it used to be this windy all the time. Though. Really? Yeah. I, all I know is that uh, when I when I first moved here, I went into the fly shop and I was talking to the to one of the guys in the fly shop, and one of the things he told me is that if you can if you can fly fish Texas, you can go fly fish anywhere. And you know, at the time, just moving in, I didn't really understand it. Now I do because yeah. you know I'll talk to buddies and I'll be like, oh, it's only blowing fifteen, and they're like, that's too windy. I'm like that's just another day. If yeah. you're going to wait for it to not be below 15, you might as well just give up ever fishing down here. Yeah. Um, no, I'd love to, I'd love to go out and see some, see some Texas tarpon and share it. Um, help a wait, help a rate. Can't talk. Been fishing too hard. Help raise awareness of, of what's going on. Um, cause you know, it's, it's, it's something that I see a lot is, as we've moved into this age of social media where, you know, everyone has access to what everyone's doing all the time, the it's kind of, and and this is my own opinion, but it's kind of killed the mindset of we're going to keep it secret. Yeah. Like someone's going to go out and talk about it. And, you know, one of the things I've always tried to do is just talk about it in a way that's conducive to, to conserving and, and helping. And I know like we'll, we'll go out and, we'll go catch tarpon and it's one of those I don't I realize like you know maybe not everyone wants it to be on the map but if we want to save it and we want to protect it I think the more people that know about it is the better yeah I I I think that's crazy people don't want to talk about it um I know where they're I think I know where they're coming from and you've seen all those fish being hung up yeah (coughs) oh the fish swam away fine really yeah. fine no that fish was dead during the pitcher yeah so um you know with the bogo grips and lifting there was another guy who said swam away perfectly he had a lip gaff through it tied to his t-top on his boat just dangling there oh, it was like a hundred pound fish <laughs> no. released and swam away you know that's what the post was and everybody's just like god really so, I don't know, and we could use your help with something like that. But I think getting a video out there of just showing how to how to handle them, how to handle them, because it's yeah. clearly that knowledge is not there. No, no, I'd love to be a part of that and help out with that. Um, 
Are you guys going to push at all to try to get Texas Parks and Wildlife to put like a 40-inch leave them in the water rule in Texas? I would like to. Yeah. But as of right now, I think... What, baby steps? Well, yeah. And the way our paperwork is written mm -hmm. is we're not really supposed to push any political... I got you. Um, get any laws changed. Right. So that would kind of have to be rewritten, which isn't the end of the world. Yeah. But yes, I would love to see the 40, 40 inch rule yeah. adopted here. Um, absolutely. They're, but, you know, you got to kind of creep into that because there'd be a lot of people in jail overnight <laughs> with that if you didn't tell them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. But, um, yeah, when, and I, the guy who's actually in charge of all that stuff, Mr. Crane, mm -hmm. is his son is like one of my best friends. So, I mean, I know the people in right. the right spot to get that stuff done. But I think it's just, it's, again, it goes down to that whole not so conservation minded right. attitude, especially with tarpon. Yeah. But the tarpon industry in Florida is, I mean, don't get me wrong, but I want to say it's like, it's some crazy amount, like a trillion oh, dollars yeah. or something. Just a, just a the amount, just the amount that they're bringing in yeah. into the economy. Yeah. I believe, I would believe that. I mean, it's like an astronomically high number. Yeah. So, if, I mean, if you could even peel off a little bit of that, get it here. Yeah. And it's a lot of people from Texas. Going oh, over there. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize it. And I was talking with Joseph at tail fly fishing magazine. Mm hmm. This was some time back, and he was saying, you know, a lot of his subscribers, like a vast majority of them, I think Florida and Texas, or Florida and Texas, and it's, I mean, there's a lot of people here that are big on tarpon. Yeah, yeah, they're not just tarpon, but just the saltwater game in yeah. general. But, and then I think you know, there's probably a lot of money from Texas that goes to BTT as well. Yeah. No, I mean, it was, you know, like you ha having fished like South Florida and run around in the, the Everglades and run around in, in that estuary system. And you, you come back here and you're, it's one of those, you're looking at it and you're like, you know, side by side, they're not, obviously they're not exactly identical, but they're, they look so similar and they have such a similar feel. It's like, why aren't they, you know, mm -hmm. why, why aren't we seeing juvie tarpon in the flats? Why aren't we finding snook in the flats? Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's one of the things where like, you know, I was excited to talk to you more about it and, and see where we're at. And it's where I'm excited to see what we can do. Yeah. Forward. I think, um, you know, I think South Padre gets, I think some of it has to do with our temperatures. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's been, we've had some pretty brutal cold snaps. Mm-hmm. Over the past two, what, two years? Yeah. So, um, I don't think South, South Texas, South Padre area was hit as hard. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, there's, there's some snook in South Padre like you ain't ever seen. Yeah. I mean, Florida style. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a few of them. Um, I need to go down there more. <laughs> the swing bridge. I need to go, I need to go fish down there more. Yeah. Hit the swing bridge. Um, no, I can tell you like that big freeze, um, with the fishing that I did, we were finding 
dead mangroves past Arroyo City. Really? Like when we did wow. the border to Bayou run, like basically once you got up towards Arroyo, that whole area, the mangroves down there got taken out too. Really? Yeah. And that's, you know, it's, everyone talks about the trout and you, you know, that, that habitat got just wrecked yeah. all the way down the coast. Trout fishing here ought to be pretty on point next year. Yeah. Year after. Yeah. They got the, there's a, there's the restrictions that are put and you know, that was, that was one of those, um, I was able to sit in on one of the meetings, uh, one of the public hearings for that. And it was one of the things I liked is that they have the option, you know, that there's a deadline and then they have to go through the whole process again, which mm-hmm. I think is the right way to do it. Yeah. You know, let's see where they're at in a year and then we'll reassess. Yeah. Um, instead of the hard fast, we're just going to drop it and you guys, that's the end of it. Yeah. Which, I mean, when, when you talk, when we talk about conservation and we talk about bringing anything back, like you want to bring it back to a point where you can go back to the bigger limits. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's the ultimate goal. Right. All right. Um, if anybody is interested in learning more about the Texas Tarpon Collaborative, you can check them out on Instagram at the yeah. Texas Tarpon Collaborative. Yeah, we're Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, or a website. And the website is the website's Texas Tarpon Collaborative dot org. Dot org. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Um dude, I appreciate you coming down yeah, to the thanks coast. Thanks for having me, man. Um been a blast i was telling my wife i never get to go fishing it's always i'm pushing somebody around she's yeah. like well that's yeah that's different that's the downside of owning of being the one that owns the polling skiff yeah. is you yeah. you get to pull the polling skiff that's what i've just I've realized this year the boat is not for me no um yeah so basically that's what i tell people is if you got friends that own a polling skiff learn how to pull a boat and then they're going to make sure you get to go fishing with them a lot more yeah absolutely um We'll get you back down here, and we'll yeah, we'll actually put sure. some more fish in the boat for sure. Other than that, guys, if you're listening in on Spotify, Apple, if you guys could leave a review and, you know, like five stars, that'd be great minimum. for the podcast. Minimum five stars. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, hit like, hit subscribe. Um, yeah, that's it. That's all I got. Yeah. Hope you guys learned something. Hope you enjoyed that. Um, yeah, bye.